Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh, the home of powerful conversations. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Gavin Oates. Gavin is an international keynote speaker, two-time best-selling author and the owner and managing director of Tree of Knowledge, one of the UK's most exciting people development organisations whose vision is to inspire the world. Your book Shine recently turned one, and it's the 12th biggest selling personal development book of the last 12 months in the UK. Your upcoming book Zest, How to Squeeze the Max Out of Life, is due for publication at the end of July this year. In September last year, you organised and hosted Fire Up Scotland, the biggest event of inspiration held in Scotland for over 50 years. Taking place at Glasgow's SSE Hydro, it was free to all of the country's secondary schools and was attended by more than 8,000 pupils. You're also an award-winning comedian, the inventor of Study Ninja, a former Young Entrepreneur of the Year, a two-time TEDx speaker, and you've appeared on BBC's Dragons Den. <laughs> Gavin, it's an absolute <laughs> honour to have you here. Welcome to the show. Uh, Elliot, thank you so much for having me on. When you put it like that, I, I, I'm exhausted. <laughs> as yeah. am I, my friend, as am yeah. I. Uh, it's I'm, I'm only 18. <laughs> yeah. You've done, you've done <laughs> a lot. I used to have hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you, you've done, because we spoke, uh, it was under a different brand and it was at least a couple of years ago. But uh, the majority of what I read there, you've done since then or a lot of it there's a good chunk of that has been i mean in the last two three years yeah uh, yeah it's in, it's been an interesting journey i think you know you have you have plans i i you know I've, there's always been things i want to achieve for the business for myself i am a very ambitious person mm -hmm. it's always been in my nature even in my teens where you know if i wanted to do something where well, you just you have to go and make it happen and i'm okay with that mm -hmm. But listen, listening to you reading that back, I mean, not all, I mean, there's there's great stuff there. One or two, <laughs> two oh, I can't speak, one or two of those things were maybe not as successful as I would have liked. Okay. Uh, and some of them more so. Uh, and some of them almost by accident. You know, there's, I mean, the books. Yeah. I remember meeting a, a woman who told me she was a psychic when I was about 17 and <laughs> very random. And she said to me, you need to keep writing because one day it's going to be all about the writing. And I had no idea what she was talking about. Uh, and I do sometimes think back to that, that you know we're now 20 years down the line and it is becoming about the writing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a bit spooky. That is scary. But I, yeah. I, I look at the books as a wee bit of by accident, wee bit of good fortune, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I'll definitely be asking a bit more about the books and uh, your, cool. your sort of future plans as well. For anyone who's not familiar with you and your kind of background, if you can just maybe set the scene and give us a wee, yeah. a wee intro. Absolutely. So my name is Gavin Oates. I grew up in a wee town called Troon on the west coast of Scotland, obsessed <laughs> with rugby and sketch comedy. That was my thing. Vic Reeves, Bob Mortimer, The Fast Show, Rick Mail and Aid Edmondson from a programme called Bottom. I literally obsessed over, over these shows as a kid. Um, you know, of course, as a teenager growing up in the 90s, uh, it was all about being in bands. Loved my music, but couldn't play and couldn't sing. <laughs> Dreamt about being in a band, um, but comedy was, was, was my thing. And the problem, though, is I had a, a huge fear of being on stage. I had a huge, uh, a real worry, a lot of anxiety as a, as a teenager. And the thought of getting up in front of an audience just absolutely terrified me. Um, but I always just had this little sort of hankering to, to get up and be in front of an audience. So through the 90s, I was writing comedy sketches. Um, didn't really tell anyone 
yeah, I don't think it was cool back then for a young guy to be to be writing comedy. Um, mm. Now it's it's it, it would be a thing, you know. Like there's a lot of young people in comedy, and with with the internet, with social media, you can be putting stuff out left, right, and centre. Mm-hmm. Back then, it wasn't it wasn't like that. You would write scripts and submit them to the BBC or and hope for the best. Yeah. But um, so when I when I left school, I actually went to train as a primary school teacher, and it was something I'd always thought about doing. Um, I considered drama school but was far too scared. My mum said to me, go for it. Hmm. Get yourself to drama school. It's what you've always wanted to do. Had never been in a single show, had never auditioned for a single show, <laughs> didn't have the guts to do it. But she was all for me going to drama school, but I didn't. Uh, went to uni up in Aberdeen, trained as a primary school teacher, which is exactly the same as stand-up comedy. <laughs> I think, I think. And so, some, of the, some of the biggest, most successful uh, Comedians out there are we're all teachers. Seriously, oh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. But um, I felt like saying, I think a few of them could maybe start practicing some stand-up. <laughs> you know, maybe do with that. Yeah. But the uh, so we we um, I, I went off to train as a primary school teacher. But by that point, I got right into the writing, and I had a friend from school uh, who I was doing a lot of writing with, and very quickly started going out on teaching placements, and realised that. In a day, you're going to have up to 30 kids sat in front of you from nine o'clock to half past three, mm. and you are going to have to engage with them on so many different levels. I mean, there's all sorts of different types of child, all different learners, all different abilities. Um, and I had to work out how to entertain them, enlighten them, and educate them <laughs> all at the same time. And that's a real journey throughout the course of a day. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to my mate, you know, it's no different in comedy, you know, even if you've only got a five, ten minute open spot, you have to entertain them, and if you can enlighten them and educate them in some mm. way, that would be amazing. So, like, they walk out having laughed, but they're buzzing, but actually maybe learn something cool, whether it's about the world, themselves, me, whatever, it, it almost didn't matter. So, over my four years at uni, we'd started gigging. Well, we started gigging in first year uh, as a double act, me and my mate. Uh, so, teaching primary school kids during the day, maybe using that to practice a little bit in some ways. <laughs> Certainly a bit of crowd management as well, behaviour management. Learned all sorts being a primary school teacher. In fact, I reckon I learned more working with kids under the age of 10 than I ever have from any adults I've ever worked with in my entire life. And I reckon I've been more inspired by kids under the age of 10 than any group of adults I've ever worked with. Um, what do you think happens to adults? Where, how do, why do they lose that? I don't think they all do. Uh, some may blame the education system. <laughs> uh, what happens? Do you know what's funny? I, I I was talking to an audience recently about how when we're when we're really young, we always want things to be more fun, more exciting, co- more colourful. Uh, we believe we can, so you know, we believe everything's possible, and it's it's worth all the effort to then make that happen. But if you then look at this through the eyes of, a, of an adult, you know, do adults always want things to be more fun, more exciting, more colourful? I bloody hope so. Mm-hmm. And if, if anybody's watching this and they go to work every day and don't want that, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I don't even know where to go with that. Maybe <laughs> it's time for a chat, you know? Yeah. Um, so that should be simple. You know, it's easy for a grown-up to want things to be more fun, more exciting, but then we have to believe it's possible. The mm. problem with that is, as, as adults, we now know what it, how it feels to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what it's like to be told no. And um, we also 
many of us are overthinkers. By the time mm. we're an adult, we overthink things, we overcomplicate things, we make things difficult for ourselves, and we create these barriers that stop us from just just doing it, just just going like we like you would when you were eight or five. You know, you would just do it. Mm. Um, but we should be able to believe that everything's possible. But then step three, it's worth all that effort. Well, we're adults; we know what that means. It means that in the short term, it's going to be awful. You know, if your boss says to you oh yes, you know, we're going through a bit of change, it'll be worth it in the long run. It means that in the short term, this is going to be shit. This is going to be, we're going on a journey. It's going to be bumpy, but it'll be an adventure. Good old change. Um, but there's a, there's a quote I used in uh, my book, Shine, which I think is the best quote I've ever read to do with change and growth. Mm. And that is, for a seed to achieve its greatest expression, firstly, a crack must appear down the front. Its insides will then spill out everywhere, and to those who don't understand growth, it will look like complete destruction. <laughs> That's such a good quote. Oh, it's just perfect. It you know, if, if you take that seed, though, li literally the seed, and give it everything it needs, really nourish it, protect it, mm -hmm. you're going to be left with something fresh, beautiful, natural, full of life and colour. What if we do that with ourselves? Mm. What if we do it with our colleagues and our friends? Well, we're through the times of change, we will be left with something that feels fresh and natural and full of energy and life and colour and, you know, all that fun. So anyway, I was, ta I was talking to <laughs> an adult, a group of adults about this recently and that bit there about it being worth the effort, you know, that's why kids will spend hours building something out of Lego and then just take it apart and start again. Mm -hmm. It was fun. It was, it was, even though we've scrapped it, it was fun. We're in the moment. Um, you know, kids will say, I wanna, I'm going to go out to the garden and build a den. Mum or dad turns around and says, but it's going to rain in an hour. Like, wh when does the moment come when you stop being the person that wants to go build a den and you become the person that says, but it's going to rain in an hour? <laughs> I mean, that one hurts for a lot of people because a yeah. lot of us become that person. Yeah. yeah like, there true. is a thing there that happens <clears throat> and I categorically never ever want to be the person that says but it's going to rain in an hour mm -hmm. yeah. got an hour and see even when it is raining be magic so i've gone off on a tangent there but i don't <laughs> know if that answers your question awesome. yeah yeah um Brilliant. so so yeah uh primary school teacher <laughs> learned a lot being a primary school teacher um and then really wanted to pursue the comedy mm -hmm. it kind of grew and grew and grew um again pre-social media days so we were having well Comedians now work damn hard. It's a big market now, but we were really working in all the different ways we could we could think of. Mm -hmm. um, and when I graduated in two thousand one, um, I was able to get a bit of supply teaching to, to to get a bit of money in the bank. And we actually went off to do the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in Australia, which was dream come true. You know, we were twenty one, um, hmm. didn't really know what we were doing, but we had a four week run in Melbourne got billed alongside all the international artists, even though we were a nobody. Um, and I think Australia went, well, they must be famous. Uh, and we got an audience every day um, and had an absolute ball, like literally dream come true. Mm -hmm. And then we came home from that. And like all good uh, stories, it all came to a weird end and it all fell apart. Um, and I had a moment where I thought, I don't, I don't know what to do. That was the dream. Um, the proper dream, it's all I'd ever wanted to do, and now it's gone. And when you're a double act, and one half of your double act doesn't want a part of it anymore, yeah. turns out neither neither do the clubs. 
neither did the audience. They, they wanted that thing that the two of you had, mm -hmm. um, but I had a teaching degree. So I went back into teaching and if I'm being honest, I, I fell in love with the world of teaching. It's an amazing profession and teachers, teachers get a hard time. Teachers deserve the pay rise, teachers deserve their holidays, um, but they get this hard time and it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not right. So anyway, went back into teaching, loved it. Still had my audience, albeit young ones, uh, <laughs> every day, and kept writing. Um, lost a bit of confidence uh, with the, the, the stand-up side of things at that point. Uh, and then one day I went on a workshop uh, that I didn't want to go on. Uh, you know, quite often, in, in, like in any job, you, you get taken on workshops and you get sent on workshops and sometimes they're great, but sometimes they're dreadful. <laughs> um, and I thought this will be awful. And it wasn't, it was absolutely life-changing. Um, I loved everything about it. It blew my mind. I laughed. Um, I'll tell you what it was. It was entertaining, enlightening and educating. <laughs> everything that I believed I was meant to be doing in life as an educator, as a performer. Yeah. Um, and I quit, <laughs> my, I quit my job that day. Wow. I handed my notice in that day. I wrote a letter of resignation. I wrote it in crayon. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you wrote it in crayon. Yeah, they nearly got it in plasticine. Uh, in fact, they nearly, they nearly got it in contemporary dance. Oh and, but I handed my notice in and um, phoned the guy who was running the workshop, asked him for a job, and he said yes. And I started working with Tree of Knowledge uh, just about 15 years ago now. Uh, and I left teaching, went and joined Tree of Knowledge, started creating workshops for teenagers all around mindset, motivation, fun, creativity, humour, team building, communication, leadership, presentation skills. Just kind of grew arms and legs, worked with him for five years, and then 10 years ago now, led a management buyout in Tree of Knowledge, and we started again. Um, big changes at that point. We sat around the table and we asked ourselves, why are we here? And it's very simple, just inspire the world. How's, how's, that's an amazing story. How's the business changed since you, you know, since the day you sort of took it over? Yeah. It's changed a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. um, it's had to uh, on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, first and foremost, the the people changed very quickly. Mm. Um, the physical surround changed. We, we moved. Um, we thought about changing the name of the business. Um, I, 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 I wish we had. Mm -hmm. um, just for, for a complete clean slate start. Yeah. Um, I, I don't regret not doing it, but I kind of wish we had. I think at the time we thought about it, thought oh, you can't do that. You, it's a brand, it's recognised, mm -hmm. people know it and love it and use it and it's a trusted brand, don't, don't muck about with it. But actually knowing what I know now, we could easily have changed it <laughs> and just started again. Um, don't ask me what we would change it to because I, I still don't know uh, and we're 10 years down the line. Um, but there was a huge shift. So there was big changes happening. The year we took on the business, the recession was officially, we knew it was coming, but it was officially announced. But there was huge budget cuts in education as well. Mm. So at that time, you know, 99% of the work we did at Tree Knowledge was in schools with, with young people. Mm -hmm. um, and we realised quite quickly we were going to have to spread our wings a little bit and that was when we decided to um, you know dip our toe in the the water of of the corporate world uh, just to see we'd done little bits in the past but 
this was a sort of conscious drive now to, to see what would happen. Let's never lose sight of the schoolwork because that's the heart and soul of our business and still to this day. Mm -hmm. But back then we didn't have a huge number of programs for kids. Uh, whereas now we have programs from P5 all the way through high, uh, primary through to uh, sixth years. We've got programs for parents, parental engagement uh, sessions. We've got programs for teachers. Um, and, you know, being able to cover all of that, it allows the work we do to be much more uh, sustainable. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, make a bigger difference. Yeah. And make sure we're joining up as many of the dots as we, as we possibly can. But like I say, whilst that was happening, a little bit of a restructure within the business um, and pushing into the, the corporate world as well. And, you know, I, that's been fascinating. The education stuff has grown and grown and grown, but the corporate stuff has just exploded. And, and you know, we working with little two, two three people companies through to global brands like Nike. I mean, Jesus. whoever, who would have thought they would ever have lifted the phone and said, we want you to come and work with our, our, our leadership team. Is you know, right? it's, it's incredible. Wow. Um, you know, we've worked with a lot of exciting companies, but again, right at the heart of everything we do is just this ridiculous drive to inspire the world, to create this, this positive future for, for young people, for Scotland, for the world, mm -hmm. um, and to really, ultimately, every day, we just want to help people to help themselves. You know, any age, any stage, any background, we want to work with you to just help you be the best version of you mm -hmm. you possibly can and have the happiest life you possibly can. <laughs> um, so no, the, the, the business has changed a lot. Um, markets change, budgets change. Um, we, we have changed. I was going to ask you that. How have you, how have you changed? Um, I've had to grow up a lot. Um, <laughs> it pains me to say that. <laughs> uh, in a business sense, uh, I haven't grown up at all. Um, I still feel exactly the same way as I did uh, when I was 16, I think, and now nearly 40. But no, um, we we had to, yeah, we, we had to grow up and still are having to, you know, we're having to put more structure and process into the business. You know, there was three of us took on that business. There's now just over 20 of us. Um, it, you're not just three mates winging it now. You know, mm -hmm. we, we've, we've had to... Dare I say the word sensible? We had, yeah, we've had to be a bit more professional, a bit more sensible. Mm -hmm. um, proper plans, proper strategies. Uh, I mean, we had plans and we had strategy, but who who sticks to them? Um, <laughs> whereas now we're maybe still not sticking to them, but we are sticking to them a bit more uh, than 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 we used to. Um, you know, it's that journey as well of moving away from being uh, everybody's friend. To we're still friends, but, but now also your employer, and you know the, that yeah. that was an interesting shift to make. Um, but it's been wonderful to be able to give a lot of responsibility to other people in the business now. Mm -hmm. And there, there's a, a a core group in the business that I'm looking at now, thinking they are amazing, and they are amazing. They always were amazing, but they're just slowly but surely all carving out this wonderful role for themselves. You know, we've got a couple of new directors in the business, but they've been with us for years. We didn't bring them in from anywhere else. Um, and there's two or three others who are just simmering away, who are phenomenal speakers, trainers, facilitators, um, and, and they've just got this amazing future. And it's been amazing to watch them 
maybe under our guidance, maybe we've helped, I hope we have, but just watching them come through. And that's that's all part of the the, the journey of growing the business. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had to learn to lead and to let, but also let hands go at, at, at the right time. Um, and there's bits of the business that I've pretty much just handed over to other people now. And to begin with, I found that really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's been one of the biggest lessons for me is just letting stuff go mm-hmm. and having that trust and they, they say you should only employ people that are better than you and you know that's I, I think I I get what that means now you know and mm. once you've got them mm-hmm. yeah there you go yeah <laughs> so it's been quite nice so yeah we, we've had to do a bit of growing up and the three of us that took on the business was myself Alan and Doogie and a lot of people don't know about Alan and Doogie they they kind of sit behind the scenes you know they're equally as part of a business as I am I just I, I, I'm like the face of the business come out delivering mm-hmm. whereas they're more business development Okay. Alan looks after our finance and all that sort of stuff. So you, not a lot of people, particularly in the corporate world, not a lot of people see or know who Alan and Doogie are. Mm. But our relationship has had to change. You know, we were kind of thrown together because we were all employees under the previous ownership. I don't think our paths would ever have crossed. We mm. come from such different backgrounds. I don't think we would ever actually be friends in real life. But something clicked. Something has worked. And um, the three of us, the first three or four years, it was tough. A lot of arguments, a lot of disagreements, a lot of falling out because we'd never run a business together. Hmm. I actually don't think any of us ever really planned on running a business anyway. <laughs> and now we're running one together. Yeah. And we've taken huge loans in order to be able to do that. And now we are all or nothing together. And that's a really interesting dynamic mm-hmm. uh, when it's you and two other people who you're probably not really friends with. <laughs> but now we are. Yeah. But the trust and the respect <laughs> that's there between the three of us is insane. Mm. Um, we don't socialise. Um, our families don't hang out together. Hmm. But we are so close. And now we can talk openly and honestly without the barriers coming up. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I would say, like, so it's 10 years since we bought the business. And I reckon it's really only the last two and a half, three years where it really feels like it's gelled between the three of us. Um, but that's been a fab journey. Yeah. Great fun. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I really want to ask you about uh, your, your, your writing, your books, but I'm going to ask you first, uh, I think it kind of makes sense, to speak a bit about Fire Up Scotland. Yeah. I'm really interested as to how the idea even came about and how you went about executing on it because to deliver something on that scale mm-hmm. is just like it's it's unbelievable and phenomenal and congratulations thank you I, I mean incredibly proud of fire up scotland um still emotionally recovering <laughs> from <laughs> from fire up scotland um so fire up scotland the, the concept of putting on the biggest and best event of inspiration for young people that there's ever been um <laughs> has been something I've toyed with for many, many years, um, but was no way in any position to be able to even think about pulling that off. Mm. Um, you know, the, in terms of contacts, in terms of co- confidence, you know, and, mm. and just that general, that general kind of know-how, I guess. Um, so I, the, so the initial concept was, was just that. It was to put on the biggest, best, most exciting day that these young people would ever experience in their school career. The kind of event that 30 years down the line, they look back and they go, 
That was the day my life changed. That was the day I believed this. That was the day I realized I could be this. That was the day I finally knew what I wanted to be or to do or whatever, you know. Um, you know, working in education, there's a lot of great events for young people. Uh, a lot, actually, all over the UK, there's some fantastic events. The downside, though, is there's some truly awful events for young people that don't get it right. Uh, and there's quite a lot of them. Like I say, there's lots of amazing ones who've got it sussed. Uh, but there's too many that are not good enough. They're boring, they're not engaging, they're <laughs> repetitive. Mm -hmm. um, and they remind me actually of, they remind me of the type of event that, that we went to when, when I was in school. Um, you know, there would be a, a dude on stage at the start in a dead boring suit telling you about the latest current account. <laughs> and that was how we kicked things off. Um, Woo! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> woo! Um, and, and you know how, you know, that's a good, line of work to go into, which it is, but but that was kind of it. Yeah. That was the extent of it. Um, and, you know, when I was in school, I, you would punch some information into this wee machine and it would spout this ticket and say, you should be an architect. And I would say to my careers officer, I, I don't want to be an architect. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you're suited to. There was never anything that made me sit there and think, this is, this, this is for me. You know, mm -hmm. and I think there's an awful lot of young people in this country who rarely have that moment at these events. And a lot of them have them every day in school because they've got wonderful teachers. Mm -hmm. But there's an awful lot of people out there that really go to these events and go, wow, you know, this is this is the type of event I needed or wanted. And I think part of my thinking around Fire Up was I wanted to create the type of event that I needed as a teenager, but it didn't exist and in many cases, still doesn't. Um, there are some starting to appear which are brilliant. Um, so I basically started speaking to uh, schools and teenagers, just saying, does this exist? What would it look like? What would it feel like? I was very aware that Year of Young People was coming up in Scotland, you know, 2018. You know, every year there's a year of something in Scotland. Um, a bit 2018 was to be Year of Young People. Uh, if I'm being honest, every year should be, and that Tree of Knowledge is, year of young people, but hey, they mm. put aside some money and this was going to be a big deal. And rightly so, you know, it's going to be fab. Um, and I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if, so this was about 2016, I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if in 2018, year of young people, we, we went for it and we booked the biggest venue in Scotland, booked the most extraordinary lineup, filled it with thousands of teenagers, and blew their minds with a day that they will never ever forget. And it wouldn't matter what your background is. You could be from the wealthiest of backgrounds, the most uh, underprivileged backgrounds. You can be destined for St Andrews. You can be destined for whatever. It doesn't matter. That mm. It is for you. None <laughs> of that comes into it. The, you know, I wanted it to be free, completely free to every young person because, you know, there's an awful lot of events out there that a lot of people can't get to mm -hmm. because they're 40 quid a ticket, you know, or um, they live in the Highlands, you know, or, and then it's expensive to get there. That on top of the ticket is too much. Mm -hmm. So we thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we could book the Hydro, the <laughs> SSE Hydro in Glasgow, 12,000 seater, the biggest indoor arena we have in Scotland, fill it with 12,000 teenagers um, for free. And I started planting seeds with various organisations around Scotland, most of whom just went, 
nope. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. You're never going to do it. Uh, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. Um, I quite like it when the door closes. You just kind of like, right, okay, I'll just, I'll just go and open another one and <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. try it in a different way. Um, but every now and then someone went, I'm in. Or somebody said, I can help you. Or somebody said, let me see what I can do. And I started to think, well, maybe this could be a thing. Um, so I spoke to the wonderful team at the SEC in Glasgow uh, that, of course, run the Hydro and Armadillo and everything else. Mm -hmm. And they're amazing. They are an extraordinary group of people who are the best at what they do. And I met with them and I shared my idea and I asked them if they would like to partner on such a grand project. Uh, and they said, yes. So we're in. And I had a moment where I was like, really? <laughs> you know, they, they, there's almost that part of you wants them to say no because then you don't have to do it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, like the the, the, the yeah, fear's creeping in. Uh -huh. uh, but they were like, let's explore it. We're in. And that's what we did. We started to explore it. Uh, and then, of course, through those discussions, I started to get a feel for how much money I would have to raise. And that's... I mean, to put it bluntly, I shat myself. Uh, <laughs> like, it's sums of money uh, that oh, I've never had to raise before. Yeah. Um, so, really had to put the feelers out there, search for those wonderful individuals and organisations who just got it and bought into it. Mm -hmm. Started trying to get my lineup organised. Um, I'm very fortunate that I've met some weird and wonderful people uh, in my career and was able to knock on some doors and say, yep, for helping me out. So I was able to approach people like Colin Cloud. Colin Cloud, of course, is uh, one of the best magicians in the world. He's a mentalist, a mind reader. Mm. He's the new Darren Brown, mm. uh, and he's huge in America these days. Um, very successful, biggest show at the Fringe the last few years, and of course, huge through his performances on America's Got Talent mm -hmm. and various other TV shows. But, but when you're close to someone like that, you, you can say, can, can you help me out? Uh, the problem with that is Colin's in America most of the time. Yeah. So I actually spoke to Colin about a year and a half before the event was a thing yeah. because I needed to pin him down. Uh, and Colin being Colin, he was like, I'm in, 100%. So to be able to know instantly you've got a proper headliner mm -hmm. like Colin. Now, Colin used to work for Tree of Knowledge. Not a lot of people know this. Colin, I didn't know that. Colin used to work in schools with me, motivating young people and inspiring them to be... I mean, he's the perfect example, you know, of, of <laughs> you can, if you want something enough, you can, you can go get it. Um, so I knew that Colin would not only be able to stand up and perform, mm -hmm. he would be able to entertain, enlighten and educate because <laughs> he would be able to share that journey. Um, but then with people like Lucy Lintott, mm -hmm. uh, who's the youngest person ever in Scotland to be diagnosed with motor neurons disease, you need to get her on your show. She's extraordinary. Um, just won a Woman of the Year award. Um, she, she's amazing. So um, we wanted, it wasn't just about performers, we wanted survivors, creators, thinkers, doers, entrepreneurs. It, it wasn't a careers event. It was a careers event, but it's absolutely not a careers event in terms mm. of how we know them from our upbringing and, and some of the things that are out there at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd started to get some of that in place, start to raise some money. And then the moment came where it was, a, are we doing it or not? Because it was approaching Easter 2018. We penciled it in for 12th of September mm -hmm. 2018. <laughs> and we thought we need to go live now if this is going to be a thing. 
and um, we launched the website, put out one email to every school, one tweet, that was it. We thought we'll hold registration open for three weeks, hopefully get 5,000 people signed up, maybe, and then we'll drip feed it up till September. And if we're lucky to get five, six, maybe 7,000, it'd be unlikely, but it would be mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. And 24 hours after opening up the registration, I got a phone call from the venue saying we have to close close the page because we've got 14,500 people <laughs> signed up. It's just unreal. And I, I, I was in London when I got the phone call and I, I just about threw up. Like in a good way, I don't, yeah, know, I don't yeah, know if that's yeah. a good way. But I was literally like, oh, what do you do? I, I, I don't know where to go from here. Um, how It doesn't hold that many. What, what do you do? All I know is something's happened and it's kind of cool. Um, so we closed it down uh, and then we had to work out how do you divvy up these tickets. And we ended up with 155 Scottish secondary schools, um, mainly from the... Um, Mainly state schools. We had a few private schools, but a couple of uh, special ed schools. We just had everybody that wanted to be there was was welcome. Um, naturally, as the year and a bit, or sorry, the nine months rolled on, there was a few schools cancelled on us. We replaced them with other schools, and then a couple of days before there was, we knew it would happen. There were some schools dropped off, but yeah, we ended up with nearly nine thousand uh, teenagers in the room, and it was absolutely extraordinary. And the, fee the feedback was incredible. And there was one bit of feedback that just made it all worthwhile. Mm -hmm. um, because we, we, we took a few gambles. That we, we, there were fourth, fifth and sixth year pupils. So we had said, look, let's not have breaks. Bring your lunch. You're, you're old enough now. If you know you're hungry, eat something. If you need to go to the toilet, go to the toilet. If you need to go out and get fresh air, go and get fresh air. Mm -hmm. But we're starting at 10 and we're finishing at 3 and we're just going to go for it. <laughs> And that's, that's what we did. And I got home, when the event finished, I sat in my car for 90 minutes outside the hydro and just 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 sat um, exhausted. It'd been two years in the making and I sat and it was like, I just left everything on the stage that day because I hosted the day yeah. um, and I was done. I couldn't believe, it was, like, it was like planning for a wedding. You plan for two years and then boom, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And um, I got home to Edinburgh and there was a tweet came in from a parent and it said, it said something along the lines of, my son has never felt that he had a place or fit in throughout his five or six years at high school. Um, but for the last three or four hours, all he's done is talk about Fire Up Scotland and, and then she quote, the people like me, mum, <laughs> on stage. Um, and she said, you need to understand, Gavin, today mattered. And, you know, see that one, just that one piece of feedback. I mean, there was lots mm -hmm. of pieces of feedback, there, but mm -hmm. just that one bit of feedback, it made the two years of sleepless nights, yeah. worry, stress. And there was a lot of that, actually, more than I was expecting. But it made all of that instantly worthwhile um, because that, that is what the day was about. It was letting these kids know that they are enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was letting them know that you can go be whatever you want to be. And do you know what? See if you fail, so what? Hmm. Go and be something else. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, and it was a very, very emotional day. I actually broke down in tears driving home because it was just such a release. It was such a release that we yeah. that, that we did it. There was frustrations because you instantly 
you're always your own worst critic and you're instantly going, oh, I should have done this and I should have done that and I should have raised more money and um, I could have said that differently and then I was just like, Gav, come on, you, you just you just got eight and a half <laughs> and about a yeah. thousand teenagers in a room yeah. and it was free. And what was really cool is we had people from Thurso, people from the islands, people from the borders, people from the central belt, literally from all over Scotland, came in their thousands. We laughed, we cried, we cheered, we screamed, we shouted, we danced. <laughs> Literally, we were all on our feet at one point. It was just magic. And um, <laughs> I look back on it and I think it's the stupidest thing I've ever done. But it was perfect in so many ways. <laughs> Would you ever do it again? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> do you know that's not true? Um, I'd love to do it again, but a lot of things would have to change. Mm. Um, I got fantastic support from the team at the SEC. Like I, I cannot speak highly enough of them. They are just amazing people. Um, but I took on too much uh, myself for that project. It was meant to be a fun side project. Um, I think it nearly broke me. There, there's a particular story around this which I've not told anyone, and I'm not telling you it now just to ruin that for you, but I've put it in the next book. Um, I, what I can say is I actually think there was a moment where it nearly broke me. Um, and I had a moment where I thought, I, I don't know if I can continue with this at this moment because it was so much. Mm. Um, however, thank you to some extraordinary individuals out there. Um, I was able to pull certain things together and all of a sudden off off we went again. <laughs> so, And I think that was one of the biggest things for me. There was, there was, there was lots of lessons learned because I'm, I, I, I'm not a, an events manager. Mm. I speak at events and I host events, but mm. I don't organise them. No. Um, so there was a few things. One, people in the events industry are amazing people. Um, two, there are extraordinary people out there in this country that are willing to help other people. I mean, beautiful human beings who truly want to make a difference. And I met some of them and they helped. Uh, and I also learned that if your face doesn't fit, then you're not welcome. <laughs> and That's a shame. I, but through that, I learned that you just have to go and do it with your own face. So I did. Um, but like I say, I met some extraordinary people who are just friends for life mm -hmm. uh, because they they just got it. Mm -hmm. You know, they realised that nobody was going to make a penny. None of us. It wasn't about that. Mm -hmm. um, so here's me turning up and saying, right, we're not going to make any money. <laughs> no one's getting paid. But we're going to blow away thousands of kids and make them feel amazing and teach them some cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, some people looked at that and went, nah, you'll never do it. But there was a group of people that went, we're in. So big thank you to them, you know. So would I do it again? I'd love to do it again. Um, it was never meant to be an annual thing. We always said every two to three years anyway, if it does happen again, because then it's not just another event in the academic calendar. Yeah. Because um, it's a lot for a school to get 120 kids out of school for the day, especially if you're coming from Thurzo or somewhere, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying no, but right now I'm, I'm not saying yes either. <laughs> Okay, my friend, I'm going to ask you about your books. I'll ask you, just in the sake of kind of keeping good time, um, I'll, I'll just sort of ask you a, yeah, a dual question. You've got Shine and Zest is coming up. Yes. Um, 
Tell me a bit about Shine, why it's been so popular, yep. some of the feedback, your favourite big idea from it, yep. and uh, what people can expect from Zest. So Shine, <laughs> Shine is the first book I've written. Technically not true, I wrote a kid's book ages yeah, ago, it yeah. came out as an app, but um, <laughs> about a farting bee. Uh, it's, not, it's not even available anymore, but it was brilliant. Um, it's called Pumpy Bee, we need to bring that back. Um, Shine, was I co-authored it with, with Dr Andy Cope. Mm -hmm. Now Andy Cope has always been a bit of a hero of mine and <laughs> I've stalked him for a number of years, like properly stalked, it's quite creepy. And uh, our paths started to cross um, at various speaking gigs. And I've always been a fan of his books, love his books. He's the UK's first ever doctor of happiness, like quite literally. And we, we spoke and we joked about writing a book together and it never really happened. And then I did his podcast and long story short, he said, right, go and chuck me a couple of pages and we'll see what happens. And we agreed to where well, we're gonna go for it. So Shine is definitely falling into the category of personal development, self-help. Don't know if I love that phrase, but that's what it falls into. Mm -hmm. Um, and it definitely stands out from the rest because it's very much, um, it's like self-help comedy. You know, it's really funny, it's really entertaining. It's, there's no bullshit. It's not, it's not too highbrow for people. It's, it's not made up nonsense. It is based absolutely in science and mm. psychology, mm -hmm. but it's written in a way where it's, too, it's like two great pals just bouncing off each other, having a bit of fun and We've been contacted from people all over the world saying that we're sitting laughing out loud on the train with people <laughs> looking at me, you know, people sitting around the pool on holiday, wetting themselves laughing, but feeling absolutely uh, extraordinary. And I think that's where it's different. It's a little bit edgy at places. It can be a bit sweary, but it's still super positive, super lovely. Um, I mean, on the outside, it's, well, it's called shine. It's all shiny. It's actual gold <laughs> shininess, <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> um, but on the inside, it is in places a bit grittier. And, and you know, we've got people getting in touch saying, you know, I'm, I'm crying, you mm -hmm. know, because of what you've written about here and how I can relate to it. And I think that's also one of the key things is it's so relatable. And I would say that's come through in most of the feedback is that it's the first book some people have read where they, they absolutely can see themselves in it. It's not, it's not too much. It's not going over the top of their head. Um, and you know we've we've it was nominated for the UK Business Book of the Year for the Personal mm -hmm. Development category, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and to have it recognised within the industry has been has been kind of mind blowing. Because I said all along, if one person buys it, that's not a family member, <laughs> then we've cracked it. <laughs> but um, as you mentioned in your introduction, it's it's the twelfth biggest book of the last twelve months. Which to put into context compared to the top 10, is not actually that great. <laughs> it's amazing, but when you consider we're up against your um, Jordan, Jordan Pearson of yeah. the year, of the year of this world, uh -huh. um, your, um, your uh, Steve Peters, your, you know, your Chimp Paradoxes, yeah, yeah. Fern Cotton, yeah. you know, all, the, these people, it, I mean, it's amazing to be 12th being the fact that they're above you. Uh -huh. You know, they're the ones that are selling actual millions. Of, of, of books, so blown away by that, absolutely blown away. Um, but no, I'm incredibly proud of it. Um, it's done incredibly well. Uh, the reviews are outstanding. Um, in, in between that and writing Zest, we mm -hmm. also put a, a, a kind of kids version 
of shine. Oh, was it? Um, Diary of a Brilliant Kid? Yeah, Diary of a Brilliant Kid, top secret guide to awesomeness. <laughs> for sort of seven to 11 year olds. Um, it's basically positive psychology for kids, but it's rude and quirky and cheeky and silly. And that's just been phenomenal. I mean, there's mm -hmm. schools buying whole class sets for, for their kids and things. And that, that's fab. <laughs> but Zest, we, we it's in the can, it's done. We finished it actually a while ago. Uh, it's due out uh, July. Um, and it's it's not Shine 2. Okay. But it could be mistaken for, for being Shine 2 because it's it's similar themes in that it is all about just making the most out of, of your life. It's not it's not one of these books that says, Oh, if you think it you can make it happen. <laughs> but it, it it's it's definitely about getting out of your bed every day and just making great stuff happen for yourself. But mm -hmm. it's also, you know, our books are not about oh every day's a happy day. It's not. Mm. We have we're all, we're all going to have crap days, but I think one of the key messages in our books is that you can't be happy all the time. Mm. But see when those crap days come around, let them in. Show them round. But the key bit, show them the door again. Uh, I think there's an awful lot of people in this world at the moment, they let a wee bad day in and then hold on to it for two mm. or three days. And then we let it go again. But um, So yeah, very <laughs> excited to see what happens with Zest because of course the momentum's building with the other books. Um, and it's coming out at a good time, you know, it's coming out in summer, there's a lot of people go through the airports and look for something to, to read lying around the pool and I had an extraordinary experience in Menorca last year when I walked around the pool and saw someone sitting reading my book <laughs> and nice. I was like, oh my god, do I say something? I couldn't bring myself to say something, I was like, what a dick. Um, I thought about it, uh, I, I decided not to say anything. But um, So yeah, the, the books have been amazing, uh, it's a whole new world for me. Mm -hmm. um, and whilst I'm saying Zest is in and ready to go, I have another one, um, a manuscript due in last day of July, and that's just me on my own. Um, so really excited, I'm about halfway through at the moment. I'm still, I've still got about 25,000 words to write, but I'm starting to work out the shape of it and where it's going. And it'll be, again, similar themes to the other books, because that's what I'm about, but it'll be just probably a wee bitty edgier Okay. And probably a bit more um, open okay. about, about me uh, and my, nice. you know, and maybe some of my struggles with with anxiety and things, which not many people know about. Um, so definitely going to put a wee wee bit of that in there and and just just lay it all out. Because I the way I look at it is personal development books for me give they, they I, I love them and actually they they kind of give you a permission. To, to do what you want to do, mm -hmm. um, they give you a lift, um, and they make things okay for some of us. Mm -hmm. And I know some people don't like them, they don't buy into them, that's fine. I don't like Harry Potter, you know? I don't want to read Harry Potter, <laughs> and uh, all people are always amazed when I say, that's not my thing. Yeah. Um, and just like personal development books are not for everyone, fine, don't read them, it's not a problem. Yeah. But there are people out there who really love them, and it really helps them. And the ones that have always helped me most is when I'm able to relate to the person. Mm. And if I if they help me and I can go, do you know what? If, look look what they've been through, and here's here's how they got out of it. If there's just one thing that can helps me that can help me, then then they're doing their job. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I look at Shine and Zest and yet to be named. Oh, other I was going to say, is it no name yet. I don't have a title. Um, okay. I, ha I have a kind of working title. <laughs> we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I'm not I'm not there yet with it. <laughs> it, it. We're almost there. There's two or three titles, but there's one that I think I'm settling on. But um, I'll hold on to that just now in case I change my mind. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, if 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 with these books, one person 
take something from it that genuinely benefits them and their well-being or their thinking or their marriage or their family or their job, then that blows my mind. Yeah. You know, and the feedback from the other books would suggest that's exactly what we're doing. And it's people all over the world. Mm -hmm. You know, people in countries like India, Canada, New Zealand getting in touch saying, you've changed my life. No, I don't think we have, but if we've helped, yes. then oh, just, that's, that's all I've ever wanted to do. But I want to entertain, enlighten, and educate. <laughs> yeah. you know? and I'm, I'm sh I, when you said that earlier, I'm sure I've seen that on your website or something. It is. It's on everything. Yeah. Yeah. Rings we stand by it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got some of the, the deeper uh, questions for you, Gav. Uh, first one is about purpose. What do you feel is your purpose in life? It is to inspire the world. It's to make a difference. Um, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it is just about helping others to help themselves. You know, I went into primary school teaching to make a difference. There is no other reason to go into primary school mm. teaching. In fact, I, I believe there's no reason to do any job other than to make a difference. Um, so that's that's what I want to do. I want to inspire the world. Um, that can sound a bit grand to some people, a bit big and a bit out there, but why would it not be? You know, why would you mm -hmm. not get out of your bed every day to go do something where you truly believe you get to help? You mm -hmm. know, um, I love it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I it's and I think I think through Tree of Knowledge, we're able to do that locally, and we're able to do it on an international stage now. Uh -huh. yeah. And the books are just a continuation of of that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's it. Just get out there, inspire the world. <laughs> what would you like your legacy to be? Um, what would I like my legacy to be? Uh, do you know, it's interesting because I talk to companies all the time about legacy and what is what is your legacy. Um, and I actually at times find it quite hard to answer. It's a sort of ever-changing um, idea, I guess, in, in, in my head. Um, do you know, it's funny because in Shine we, we write about how, you know, when, when you die, you know, nobody puts on their headstone or here lies so-and-so, the owner of lots of stuff. You know, here lies so-and-so, they drove a really nice car. Like, none of that is of any interest to me. It's, it's people are going to stand around in your funeral and talk about what type of person you were. Mm. Um, I think that's all that matters for me. I, first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a dad to, to my two kids. And I think my legacy do you know, do you know what, what, what makes me happy is, is the fact that there are people out there who know that I'm, I'm not a dick. I'm, I'm <laughs> doing this because I genuinely want to help other people. Mm -hmm. And if my legacy is that I helped one person, uh, I, I, can, I can settle with that. I'm, I'm happy with that. The fact that as a business, we've worked directly with 1.5 million people now in Scotland alone, delighted. But if if I if I if I finish my career knowing that I helped one person, genuinely I'm happy with that. Seriously, I am. I love the New Zealand All Black uh, plant trees you'll never see. Saying I I think that's just me to a T. It's it's not about me. If if what I, it's what I'm leaving behind, I'll never see it. I probably won't actually ever truly know the extent of how we've inspired people and to what extent, but yeah, plant trees you'll never see. 
Did you? Is that in the book Legacy? Yes. I've not read that. I need to. Yeah, that's a great book, James Kerr. I was very lucky to to get a chance to speak with James at an event over in Northern Ireland um, oh, wow. a year or so ago. Okay. Um, I mean, New Zealand All Blacks. What what yeah, a story! Yeah. I'm a big rugby fan anyway, but mm. you know, if you've if you've not read it, it doesn't matter if you're a rugby fan or not. It's just it's a great book. Um, but yeah, plant trees you'll never see, which is why they were <laughs> one of the first sporting teams to clean the dressing room at the end of a match. You know, it's. Make it better than when you found it. And I think that was the approach to the business as well when we took it on. Just mm -hmm. make it better than how we found it. And if and when the time comes someone else takes over or I step out or whatever, mm -hmm. they make it better again and, and, and so on. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five, ten years? Five, ten years from now. Um, it's an interesting one. Um, I think certainly five years from now, I absolutely see myself still hugely involved uh, with Tree of Knowledge, I'd like to think that I'm speaking on bigger, more exciting stages uh, as, a, as, a, as a keynote speaker. You know, I'm, my, my profile as a speaker at the moment has changed and shifted and it's quite exciting to see where that goes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping to keep writing. I'd like to get a few more books out there. Hmm. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, one of my key focuses in the next five years is Tree of Knowledge is to make sure that Tree of Knowledge is still in a really exciting, secure, fun place for everybody involved with Tree of Knowledge. Um, I'd like to spend a bit more time nurturing and mentoring some of the team. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, 10 years from now, will I still be a part of Tree of Knowledge? I, I, I actually don't know. I genuinely don't know. Um, I think there comes a point in time where there are better people to, to take things on. I think I'll always have a role. I think I'll always be involved somehow. Um, but... Um, it would be too easy to say I'd love to be retired by 50, but I'd be bored stupid. Mm -hmm. I really would. So certainly more books. I'd like to make sure that Tree of Knowledge... I, I don't even know if it's about continuing to grow Tree of Knowledge because we've had a huge amount of growth over the last few years. I don't even know if it's about continuing to grow. I think it's just continue to diversify and get better always. Um, and then I think over time I'd love to do a bit more charity stuff. Okay. Um, I don't know what that looks like at the moment, mm -hmm. but um, I think that goes back to the primary school stuff. I'd, I'd love to do something um, that just helps young young kids. I'm, I'm not. I mean, we do that through Tree of Knowledge in many ways, but something different. But uh, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to be speaking a bit more internationally as well. Yeah, I'm starting to do a That'd wee bit good. more of that now, and if it allows me to see the world and mm. keep spreading the message, then 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 I'm up for that. I like it. I like it. I'm, I think I asked you this last time, and I'm fairly sure you said success means happiness. Uh, I'm, 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 that's just going through my head. How do you currently define success? Um, I think it's peace of mind. Peace of mind? Yeah. Um, do you know, we live in funny times, you know, like where brains are just on. Yeah. Always mm -hmm. at the moment, you know. Um, I, I've written about this where. I was working with a group of first-year pupils in Edinburgh and I said, I'm old enough to remember what it was like to have no mobile phone. And they thought this yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> like, roaring with laughter. Uh, and the instant question that came from the audience was, but how did you speak to your friends? I was like, well, we did, we did this. We, we, we spoke face-to-face. -face. And they said, yeah, but what if they lived down the street? So you walked out your front door <laughs> and you went to their front door. And they said, yeah, but what if, what if they lived a couple of streets away? I said, you walked out your front door and went to their front door, but what if they lived in another village? And I'm going, you walked out your front door, you got on your bike or you got a bus or you got a lift. And this kept going. Um, 
and then eventually somebody said, but what if, what if you were out with your friends and you were to be home by eight o'clock and you were going to be late and you needed to let your mum know? I was like, well, you'd find a phone box and you'd call the operator and you'd reverse the charges. Yeah, that's the one. And, and if your mum collected the call, <laughs> you were good to go. And if she yeah. didn't, you'd have run as fast as you could because you were in trouble. <laughs> and of course, they're all sitting going, who's the operator? You know, one of you guys like, what's a phone box? <laughs> You're at it. But, but you know, we, we live in these interesting times where like, I'm all for technology. It's great. Mm -hmm. But in here, like we're just on 24 hours a day. A lot of people now, you know, there's, there's people will lie in their bed doing all their emailing. But there's a time we used to lie in your bed and read a book or sleep or, or mm. talk or chill, you know. Um, you know, we're busy being busy. A lot of us really busy. Um, and I think busyness is just a thing now. And one of the key messages for me, one of the biggest takeaways from Shine is that I think nowadays we'll have to do less but be more. And I think that's hugely important right now. You know, 15 and 16 year olds in the UK have got a screen in their hands up to six hours a day. Mm. Some, some reports are suggesting more now, but it's up to six hours a day. That's 91 days a year. You know, 91 days a year with mm. a screen in our hands. We've, we've got a problem coming. Yeah. You know, we, we chat with our thumbs now. <laughs> you know, we, imagine how many miles you've scrolled with your thumbs. Oh, it's horrendous. Oh, yeah, it, um, it really is. You know, in a million years, we will be thumbs. <laughs> we'll just be thumbs. Uh, and we'll have an eye here so that we can walk like this. Um, but, but our thumbs will be massive. We'll be ruled by our thumbs. Um, you know, Saturday night television. You know, families used to sit and watch Saturday I'm talking like my generation. I mean, I'm talking yeah, the A-team, yeah. Knight Rider, Baywatch, <laughs> like proper Saturday night TV. Um, but families used to sit and watch Saturday night television together and we'd laugh at the same moments and wow and gasp at the same moments. Now, there'll be people watching this now thinking, yeah, but families still do that. No, they don't. They physically sit together in the same room, mm -hmm. but he's on his phone, mm. on Instagram, mm. she's on Snapchat, he's on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, <laughs> she's emailing. Mm -hmm. So physically we're present, yeah. but we're not present. No. Um, and it's happening everywhere. It happens in the workplace. The amount of people that are checking their phones continuously. Mm. You know, you go into a meeting now and everyone's got their phone on the table. Oh, so-and-so's running a wee bit late, so let's all just stare at our phones for a while. Mm. I think, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-technology. Um, but I think we have a problem coming. Oh, I know we do, and yeah. all the research We're tells us. We're kind of there, us, I think. I, I, th I think we, we are. I think we are. You know, it's Simon Sinek and all these people talk about we're in the middle of the biggest experiment there's ever, social experiment there's ever been. Mm. We are. Um, but I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting how busy people are. And I think we're too busy. Um, you know, one of the things that Andy wrote for my co-author that wrote in Shine, he talks about how, you know, on average, if we're lucky, we live for 4,000 weeks. You know, that's, that's about 29,000 days. Now, if you tell, in fact, I told this to a group of nursery kids recently. I don't even know how we got onto it. I was doing stuff around the Brilliant Kid book. And one wee girl said, how long do we live for? Again, I don't know how it came up, but that's the great thing about young kids. 
I said, well, how, how long do you think they live for? She went, I don't know. I said, how many weeks do you think they live for? And she went, 87. <laughs> and all the other kids were going, yeah, 87. They live for 87 weeks. And I said, it's 4,000 weeks. And they all went, whoa, 4,000 weeks. Imagine, imagine how many parties you can have, how many goals you can score, how many sweeties you can eat, how many cinema trips you can go for, how many birthdays you're going to have. And naturally, because they were three and four years of age, the conversation just went, pow, 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 and it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. But when you tell a room full of adults they live for 4,000 weeks, they do this. Because they're doing a sum. They're doing a sum in their minds and they're thinking things like, I've lived a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the way I see it, and, and I've learned this from Andy, uh, working with him and writing Shine, you know, this, this mindset, this attitude, you know, people talk about how you, you only live once. No, no, you don't. You die once. You get to live 29,000 days. Every time you open your eyes, there's your day. 29,000 29, opportunities to get out of your bed, to go out into the world and be nice, be kind, mm. try really hard to make someone's day. But you know, some people out there don't use their 29,000 mm. days in that way. Mm. And I made a wee pact with myself when I was about 18 that I was gonna be one of those people. And by the way, see being one of those people, I know for a fact I am not everybody's cup of tea, but I think I accepted that about 10 years ago, probably four years ago. <laughs> um, and I'm okay with that, you know? You get out of bed every day, if you're lucky, 29,000 times, there's shit to go and do. <laughs> oh, Just a, a very quick question. Um, in terms of our brains always being on, yeah. what do you do to decompress, to unwind, to slow it down? So, my kids are a wonderful uh, tonic. Is that the right word? I like um, it, yeah. My kids help me to switch off their enthusiasm and excitement for all things life. It's hmm. just amazing, you mm -hmm. know. Quite often talk to my audiences about how when you're four and five and every day you've just got a big fire in your belly, because you've got a day ahead. You know, I mean, how many of us wake up like that every day now? Well, my kids are amazing. So kids are great. Um, I run. Um, I don't look like a natural athlete, but I do. I, I, <laughs> I was about to say I am. I'm not. <laughs> but I run. Um, I try and run three times a week. Uh, not been as good this last week while I've had a sore back, but that's almost gone. So I'm starting up again. Running's amazing. Um, if anybody's watching this and needing something to help either physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever, running. Hmm. I'm telling you, just go out and run and you will feel happier. They talk about runner's high. I didn't even know what that meant. Oh my God. Um, I think in many ways running has saved me in many ways at different times. That sounds a bit dramatic. I, I don't mean an awful lot, but other than you know, as a warrior, as a natural okay. warrior, mm -hmm. um, it's pulled me out of some wee, wee spirals at times throughout the last few years. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I run, I'm a big fan of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. um, there's moments where I could be better. You know, mindfulness is a practice. Mm -hmm. It's not one of those things you do it once a month and go, yes, I do mindfulness. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't. It has to be every day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is. Um, and I love music. Yeah, Love music. Just music on, up loud. Um, yeah. just takes me away. Um, I've been doing a lot more of that recently. It's something that I've kind of lost a little bit. Yeah. Just, I don't know how, just life getting in the way. But yeah, it's more of a... Yeah. But I, th I think that's just it. You know, people... 
the amount of people I meet who say, oh, life gets in the way. Okay, so what, what, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. But it's true, life mm-hmm. can get in the way and we, we have tougher times and we get tired. But running and putting on some cracking tunes, yeah, it's amazing what those two things do. And they're free. <laughs> well, yeah, well, they are. Yeah, yeah. You might have to yeah. buy a decent pair of running trainers. I learned that lesson. <laughs> um, you might need to download some tracks. Hopefully we pay for it and we don't screw the artist over. Um, but it's amazing how those two things can can just turn stuff around. Yeah. You know, and find your find your good people out there as well. You know, there's a lot of dickheads in the world. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of good people out there to look up to, to be inspired by, to to learn from. Mm-hmm. I think everyone needs sounds a bit corny, but a bit of a hero. And I'd, maybe not a hero, just but someone that that we can look to and go, yeah, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with I'm not saying, I don't think everyone should go out there to be a hero. Mm-hmm. Not sure how I feel about that, but um, we've written a thing for Zest where sidekicks are maybe more important than heroes. Um, huh. A we in, insight to Zest. I, I, I think, um, if you think about superhero movies, it's the sidekicks that actually bring the hero back from the edge of madness. They bring a bit of the normality and the calmness yeah. to the situation. And we live in a world where it's all, you can be a superhero. Not all superheroes wear capes. Yeah, but see sidekicks. They're not everyone's favourite, but they're the hardcore fans' favourite because Mm. they know, actually, it's all right to be a sidekick. Everybody needs one. So go find your people. Um, (laughs) And I think every year I learn a wee bit more about my people. It's not always who you think. Mm. Sometimes the people that you think are your people, sometimes they're dicks as well. Um, so it's just always being aware of who you've got around you because they can be influential in different ways. Yes. Fam- family before everything. Family before everything. Yeah. Best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, when things are going really, really well, something's wrong. <laughs> I'm not sure what to make of that. No, nor was I. But there's been twice in the last 10 years where I've, it's all just clicked. Um, when something's go, when everything's going really, really well, something is wrong. Um, and Interesting. twice in the last 10 years, I finally sussed what that means. It'll probably mean something different to every other person, um, but that is one of the best pieces of advice I've ever had. Uh, I can throw other things in there, like get a great accountant. <laughs> genuinely, you know, genuinely one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard. Just make sure you've got a really good accountant who can guide you and help you in business. Um, don't be a dick. Yeah, life, I thought you were going to say that. Life uh, <laughs> life mantra for I've everybody. Heard you say that. But a lot of people say that, you yeah. know, but so we should. Mm-hmm. Um, again, New Zealand All Blacks, no mm. dickheads allowed. Love it. Imagine if that was a rule in every place of work. Yeah. Who would turn up? Let's name names. Don't. <laughs> uh, if you had the opportunity to speak to your 20-year-old self, Oof. what would you say? Um. <laughs> oh, it's half your life ago. It yeah. is. Oh, thanks, Elliot. Basically. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for that. Oh, Gab's 40 at once. Not yet. A few weeks. You said weeks. it. You said yeah, you were coming up for 40, so I'm not... Um, I'm not exposing you. Do you know, if I could speak to my 20-year-old self, um, I would tell myself to go and spend 
as much time with my dad as I possibly mm. could um, because I lost my dad um, seven years ago now and I think as close as I was to my dad and as great as we got on, it's not until he was gone that I truly understood. I knew but truly understood how integral he was, I think, to everything. Um, that I that I did and still do. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, man, I miss those chats. I think I think that's uh, yeah. Uh, nothing else matters. Uh, there's nothing else to tell my twenty year old self other than just go for it. Mm -hmm. You know, just keep going for it um, and have fun. And if you muck it up, who cares? You know, just love as much as you can. And, and just make sure you're being kind to people. But yeah, it would be just going and spend as much time with dad as possible. Because it was funny, like the first the first Christmas after we lost my dad, um, it, I found it so difficult. I broke out in hives. Really? Like like, like the, the worry and the stress of him not being there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even think that's something I've ever told anyone. But literally, all down this side of my body, I, I broke out in hives. Jeez. Because my... I guess it's stress. My anxiety was so I was just I just struggled so much without him. And I think I think it was the pressure of Christmas being the way it had always been. Yeah. And I think what we learned, like I think most dads are considered drinks pourers and joke tellers at Christmas. <laughs> I think that's what most dads are thought of as and I mean that in a good way. But I discovered that year that my dad was so much more. He was the mm. glue in our family. Um, and I don't think, like I say, I, I did know that, but I didn't really know that. So yeah, 20 year old self, just make sure you're spending all the time you can with your old man, because mm. uh, he's not going to be here for much longer. Mm. I appreciate you sharing that one. That's all right, man. Yeah. Not, 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 not the, everybody loses a parent, or well, everyone loses both parents at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm I'm seven years on, uh, and I I still struggle with it. You know, I, mm. I think I think that's probably fairly common. Mm. But I've you know, we talked about the power of music. Yeah, I mean, there's moments where like it, it's not even a song that means anything, but mm. there can be a song comes on, it just yeah. like out of nowhere mm. at all sorts of bizarre times of the day. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, struggle with it, my old man. It'd be good to be good to have had a bit bit longer, but. Fucking cancer. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but that's another thing you, I'd mentioned about maybe doing something with charity. Yeah. Um, when, when I did the uh, the marathon, mm -hmm. um, that was my uh, driver and my purpose. It was to raise as much money and awareness of pancreatic cancer mm -hmm. as I possibly could. Um, and I've raised so far over thirty thousand um, pounds from two or three different things now. Uh, in memory of my dad, so Amazing. yeah, maybe like do more around the pancreatic cancer thing, particularly because it's yeah. it's one of the biggest killers out there, and yet it receives one percent of all of all uh, funding, which is just horrendous because mm. the uh, survival rates haven't increased for forty years, and yet Jeez. it's not getting any of the the attention. Mm -hmm. That's not to say it's more important than any other other cancer. No, it no, just, of course. It just would be good I mean, if we could maybe get more awareness. And definitely. it's one of those ones that if you actually, if you if you get it found quickly, you you can be all right. But you have to. It has to be done quickly. Yeah. Or else you're you're lucky if you get six months. Uh, so that's mm -hmm. a tough one. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Anyway, 
that's my one bit of thing. Go and mm -hmm. spend time with your parents, <laughs> even if you hate them. And not that I hated mine, I might add. Yeah. But I know there's a lot of people out there that don't go on with their parents. And that's a tough one, but yeah. go make it work. Very last question for you. If you could change anything in the world, what would it be and why? If I could change anything in the world, what would it be and why? Um, I think... There's two things. One, cheeseburgers would be healthy. <laughs> I love cheeseburgers. Like, I really love cheeseburgers. <laughs> With blue cheese, in particular. Oof. Right, so that's my silly answer out of the way. Um, <laughs> there's, so, there's so many typical answers to this. Uh, about you, you would end famine. You would end war. Uh, you would remove all the evil and hatred in the world. But I would. <laughs> I would. I would do those things. Like I would. Mm -hmm. I would want to do those things. Or one. I've only got one. But I would. I would like. Um. I, I, it's not a case of everyone has to be happy twenty four hours a day because that would be really crazy. Like it would be. I think it'd be quite exhausting <laughs> if everybody was just happy the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But um. I think. Oh, man, there's so many things. There's so many things I'd love to do. But if I could remove all the cruelty in the world, whether that's children, mm. animals, domestic relationships, I think it would be that. I think, because it's not, it's not about, oh, we have to all be happy, just if I could remove all the cruelty from the world, mm -hmm. I think I would do that. Because um, I, think, I think that would affect a lot of things, yeah. from humans to rainforests to sea life to like yeah if you could remove cruelty i think it would help a lot of people and a lot of beings mm -hmm. in the world um mm. but yeah we also make cheeseburgers healthy <laughs> that's uh, a great answer yeah. yeah i really like that yeah and i think uh yeah mm. cruelty i'd also like to remove a lot of worry in the world mm. i think there's an awful lot of people anxious and worried about stuff that yeah, that's that's killing them. Uh, be good to remove that as well. So, yeah. But there's so many answers to that kind of question. Yeah, um, maybe I should have got you to send me those questions before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've dropped the question. No, oh, I've, I've enjoyed. You know, the the danger of doing that is if people over prepare. Yeah, yeah. Um, I prefer it to be more fluid and more natural. Yeah. I feel as though this, totally this really has been. It's been yeah. it's been awesome. Cool, man. No, I've loved, I've loved speaking with you. It's great. Good, thank really, you. Really good. No, likewise. And um, love watching your your, your videos. And uh, Thanks, mate. no, keep doing what you're doing and watch more of his videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Gavin. No worries. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to Inspired Edinburgh. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe for more powerful conversations. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show and we'll see you at the next episode.